if you think there's been a, an enormous amount of organizational change that most companies have had to go through, both going remote, putting in place various policies and procedures, um, really struggling in many instances to retain their culture and retain engagement through what's been a lot of uh, external factors. And now uh, it, it is very much a candidate market. I'm Tyler Wentworth, your host, president, and co-founder at The Hire. I'm excited to share with you our new podcast. Thank you for checking out our first episode. I sat down to chat with Ray Dutel. Ray is the Senior Recruitment Manager for Leighton U.S., which is a global tax consulting firm specializing locally in research and development tax credits. I knew Ray would be an excellent person to have on and kick things off. His background, which is a great mix of both agency and corporate recruiting, he brings a wealth of insights and understanding of hybrid models and this post-pandemic work culture. Big shout out to Ray for his thoughts and expertise. Let's drop into our conversation now. You and I have known each other for a while. Talking about the agency side of things, I mean, how, how did that prepare you? for going internal. I think one of the things that I learned in agency that's sort of set me apart with my internal teams, my the, the management uh, group that I work with and support is the sense of urgency. Um, I find that sometimes if an uh, individual has come up in recruiting or talent acquisition, only on the corporate side, there's a little bit less urgency in order to make the placement, a little bit more hesitancy to push back on managers, where in the agency, that's that's how you make your money. Uh, you, you need to earn by placing good candidates. Uh, and sometimes it's about how to, um, for lack of a better term, sell the positive benefits of a candidate to a hiring manager uh, or reframe of the candidate in a perspective where the hire manager better understands what their capabilities and, and skills might be so that they can evaluate the fit. So I think that the consultative way in which an agency goes about that, if done properly, along with that sense of urgency that, you know, I need this placement in order to um, to make my money or to move on to my next project internally, I think have have really helped me in my career. So how difficult right now is it to be in talent acquisition when it seems like every company is trying to hire and trying to identify uh, great talent? I think it's quite difficult, uh, not only in talent acquisition, but uh, broader HR and operations. Uh, they've sort of led the charge throughout this whole pandemic. If you think there's been a, an enormous amount of organizational change that most companies have had to go through, both going remote, putting in place various policies and procedures, really struggling in many instances to retain their culture and retain engagement through what's been a lot of uh, external factors. And now uh, it, it is very much a candidate market in where they've seen how most businesses have adapted to the pandemic. They've seen or are beginning to see and evaluate how they're thinking about uh, returning to an office environment, and then they're in the driver's seat making the determination of, do I like what I've experienced? Uh, do I like the company that I, I currently work for? And uh, do I want to see how they return uh, to the office? Or 
uh, how far do I want to push it externally? And so we're getting a lot of questions uh, of late of uh, environment, engagement, flexibility, what does hybrid work look like? What does career growth look like? Even more so than before the pandemic. And then they're taking their time doing their due diligence on organizations and really pitting one against the other because they know that you know they don't need to accept the first offer that's being put in front of them. Um, they can push for more in many instances uh, to get exactly or very closely to exactly what they want before committing to, to joining an organization. It does seem like from my conversations with other companies that it's kind of that wait and see, right? Are we, we're gonna try this hybrid model and, and then we're really not sure the direction we're gonna go. So I think there's a lot of uncertainty from a candidate's perspective of, you know, what's the what's the long-term plan going forward? Are you, are you gonna to commit to, to being a hybrid? Are you gonna to commit to being a, a fully remote? You know, companies that have been doing this for a long time, yeah, I think they're they're hesitant to change, right? I mean, the big companies that have, have always had people in the, the office, are, are really hesitant to say, hey, yeah, we're gonna go to a fully hybrid or, or remote schedule. So, I mean, how, how has COVID changed your in-office working model? Yeah, you make, you make a good point. The other, the other point that I'll make on top of that before answering is that a lot of these companies are still committed to big office spaces. Um, so I think you're gonna see quite a bit of shakeup in the commercial real estate sector, depending on what happens here um, with hybrid and remote work uh, policies moving forward. So late and prior to the pandemic, and I, I joined just before, so I joined in January of 2020. So I was able to see a few months of, uh, of our culture and we were very much a office first, 100% in office, you know, commuting into work every single day. And uh, really nobody was working um, in any substantive measure remotely. Um, we then pivoted within, I think it was about two weeks or so uh, of not even having uh, communication tools like Teams uh, or a Slack or uh, really any sort of robust video conferencing service to everybody's 100% remote for the past 15 months. And we've been fortunate, you know, our, our business was impacted really positively. We've more than doubled in size during this pandemic. And so the, the problem then was, how do we fit everybody <laughs> in an office that no longer fits? Uh, so we've been fortunate to find some new space and you know, really working through all the logistics of how do we keep it a safe space? How do we make it an environment that we made this huge investment in, but how do we draw people back into the office organically where they want to be there, where that is the place that you know, business happens? And you know, more often than not, they're going to benefit from being in the office, but not in a way that's not inclusive to the folks that choose to work remotely for that day or for that week or whatever it happens to be that's it's a, a difficult line to balance and you know we're we amongst many other businesses are certainly struggling with it have you have you thought about or discussed internally what what you are going to do if employees decide that they they won't come back to the office that's certainly a risk you know it's it's very much an ongoing conversation so our younger population tends to be in uh, entry-level analyst positions, and then our sort of our business development reps. So inside sales, we found that while they were able to perform 
during the pandemic, there there was a drop off uh, in productivity, but uh, more so a drop off in the onboarding and how they get trained uh, most quickly to uh, to get promoted through the business. So we we saw that pre-pandemic that learning that happens through um, just being in close proximity to other other folks, listening in on on calls that maybe you're not on or those quick conversations that happen in between calls or between meetings just weren't taking place in the in the virtual environment or not taking place at the frequency they would if they were in office. And a lot of the fun elements of work, you know, why you go to work for a culture, those, uh, you know, happy hours, the getting together after work, the, you know, playing tennis as a team or uh, just getting together for, for team lunches or coffees or things uh, or meeting, just having lunch with a group of people uh, that's missing from the workforce. Our stance uh, is that if we create a welcoming environment and we can convince people to trust in us to try it, you know, come back into the office and try it, see what it's actually like to be in the office, especially for the folks that may have not ever been in an office environment, just try it for a period of time. And, and we're confident that we're gonna put in place the engagement activities, the uh, training activities, the career path, that will allow them to be successful, allow them to stay engaged, allow them to feel like they're growing and learning and thriving within the organization so that when you think about it, you know, that commute isn't as bad. Um, the fact that you're in the office more than your buddy working from their bedroom still, you see the benefit of being around, you know, the people that you work with and you're developing those relationships um, more often than that other person. So we're, we're taking a stance of sort of that abundance mentality of, if we create the abundance in the office, people are gonna are gonna flock to it, as opposed to, you know, we're forcing people in, and it's it's very much a almost a negative connotation that you know you have to be in all this time, and it's just the rules. Uh, I don't think that's gonna work. I guess a question for you, if I if I can put it back on you for a second, um, you mentioned you know people are exploring opportunities more often. Have you on the agency side seen a significant uptick? as we move through the summer, as people start to roll out their plans, are you seeing more people kicking tires and raising their hand that they're open for conversations about opportunities? I, I think there has been more people who are, who are looking to see what's out there. I think they're looking to explore, hey, I'm not sure what my company's gonna do going forward. Um, and so they wanna see what options are out there, I think. From, from what I saw the start of the pandemic, I think there was that safety, right? That, that certainty, hey, I have this job, I'm not gonna get laid off, you know, so I wanna be really careful about potentially leaving for a new role. So I, I think there was a lot of people looking then, but being very careful about, you know, the decision they actually made. You know, I think we saw people go through the interview process, and then decide, hey, you know what? I think I'm just going to stay in my current role. Um, and I think this year we, we've seen more and more people decide, hey, yeah, it feels like now it's time to explore um, and, and even take that next step. We've probably hired more people in the last, you know, this this year, this first two quarters um, than we did all of last year for for our clients. So I, I've I've definitely seen a big increase. And that's from, you know, senior senior managers down to, to kind of entry level roles. Yeah, I, I, the big talking point going into the summer was it, you know, this is the summer where 
there's going to be this mass exodus and everybody's going to be leaving their their companies and moving on and I think as the summer goes on, we realize that, you know, the mass exodus is people just taking their PTO and you know, traveling to visit and meet with families. And uh, now that you're able to go out and do things uh, you know, without restriction or as many restrictions, I think we're, we're seeing that you know, people are holding off on moving. You know, our, our applicant numbers are, are down a bit quarter over quarter. And so we're seeing that people are maybe not not checking out roles as as we had expected, but I'm I'm fully expecting that to to do a 180 in the fall here when you know kids get back to school and yeah. people sort of hunker down on the regular cycle. That that is sort of when we're going to start to see the applicant numbers really jump. One of the things that the pandemic did was it forced us all out of our comfort zone. So I know coming, uh, you know, a company that was 100% in office, there is no way in the next decade that I you know, as a as a part of the people team would have been able to convince my executive team, you know, our global group that working from home is a successful concept. They were forced into it. It was uncomfortable for a little bit. They, but now we've we've really seen what works well and what doesn't. What groups uh, really thrive. What groups don't. The thing that we're going to see, and we're talking about planning, is my personal feeling the the companies that really value and invest in good HR, good people teams are the ones that are going to really benefit um, from this pandemic and, and be able to to grow and survive the best. And what I mean by that is the challenges that people are trying to solve for right now is how do you create an environment that is equitable for all different types of workers so that somebody who is an extrovert um, that wants to be out there all the time, has the freedom and flexibility to do that, but also has the same opportunities for growth, uh, for, uh, you know, both personally, professionally, um, and compensated uh, based on that growth. As the person who is an introvert, that may spend time in a different way. So how do we make sure that there is a level playing field, whether or not you're in office or not? Um, and then how do we empower managers to be able to uh, effectively manage and coach and hold people accountable accountable to their performance, whether they're in office, out of office, um, around the office, uh, working from a beach somewhere. You know, th those are difficult things to do. They're, you know, people are <laughs> people are challenging. Uh, it, it's a great puzzle. You know, it's the, it's the ultimate variable is is people. So how do you make sure that you're consistent across all different departments, all different functions, and can be compliant for all that, but enable people the freedom and flexibility to work where they work best. You're going to see it shake out here, I think, in the next you know three or four years. The ones that have done this really well, that have invested properly, and that have really good, strong you know HR folks that are valued by senior and executive leadership and, and they heed their advice and those that don't. So I am very active in the, the local HR community. Um, I, I try to be as much of a sponge to what's going on uh, as I possibly can, both locally and nationally. And uh, some of the reading that I've done is, you know, the trends of chief resources officer is, is you know, one of the key roles within an organization. You know, if you set the strategy correctly on engagement, on performance, on 
um, all of the different touch points throughout an employee life cycle. You know, there is a there's a huge risk. I mean, typically in most organizations, the the biggest line item is is salaries um, and and employee costs. So if you're not managing that effectively and managing that investment in those people, um, it, it, it can be extremely de- detrimental to an organization. How does how does HR bring itself to the next level, or how does it really attend to a business? I mean, it's one of the, if not the core business function, because if if you're not continuously um, investing in your people, helping them to get better, to keep up with the times, um, you know, as we go through these these different life events, you know, the different learnings, people are, we're, we're constantly changing, we're constantly growing, the markets are changing, you know, your clients are changing, they're constantly looking for something different, and if the people that you have on board aren't adapting or you're not adapting your workforce to uh, to what is is needed, you know, that that tends to to sink businesses uh, more quickly than others or they become stagnant, which is you know equally as bad. It isn't your your job as a HR people person is to to get the most out of out of your staff and team. Yeah, I, that's a good point. Uh, you know, there's many different tools and, and resources that you can use, but ultimately what you know, what. HR is doing is keeping a pulse on the organization, monitoring trends, um, being able to better predict what uh, attrition looks like, what performance looks like, what you can expect out of your your managers, and and then protecting you. You know, there's a huge compliance element to what HR does. That you know, if somebody goes rogue, or if there's you know employee relations concerns, or somebody who's creating uh, whether uh, maliciously or not a uh, an unfavorable or a bad environment you know that that could be a a huge detriment to your business as well both internally to you know other employees or externally um to uh to your clients and and to your brand before we finish up here i, I do want to want something for the candidates here right if candidates are listening to this podcast mm-hmm. and they get a chance to you know potentially get some some great insight from from somebody who's on the hiring side you know, what can candidates do that want to get noticed by you, by Layton? What are what are some things that you would suggest they do to, to stand out, I guess, from, you know, the, the influx of resumes you typically get? One of the the biggest pieces of advice that I could give or that I've got ever gotten is to network. Be very strategic about, you know, who you have in your network and how you can leverage them. I'm talking in a positive way. You know, who are the folks within the organizations or folks that can get you in touch with somebody at an organization that you feel passionate about, that you're really interested in potentially working for, and then connect the dots on how you can get introduced to somebody there. Um, the second piece, if you are unable to network yourself into uh, an organization, is be very clear on your resume, on what your experience is and, and the value that you've added to the different organizations that you've worked for. And uh, make sure that you proofread your resume. Can't tell you how many of those we, we see on a regular basis that it's a bit of a, an attention to detail knockout. You know, have somebody else like like Tyler or your team, you know, have somebody take a look at it. Make sure that it, it reads to what you actually did as a role and also tailor it a little bit for the role that you want so that you're speaking the same language as that hiring manager or that uh, recruiter that posted the role. You know, there's, there's a lot of the same language in there that you can use to describe 
what you've done in your previous roles. Yeah, to piggyback on that, I, I think we always try to tell people, hey, don't don't send the same resume to, to every role, right? I mean, unless it's a senior accountant in a very similar role. Tailor it to, to that job description. Look through that job description. Try to pull out keywords or terms where you know you've you've done that in a previous job and, and really kind of make sure you're you're highlighting those. I've been working with a few folks in my network to, to sort of help and coach them on on how to network themselves. And certainly LinkedIn is is you know the the easiest platform to do that. I mean you click on a company, you know, CBS as an example is a major, you know, multinational organization or national organization at this point. And if you just click on their profile, it shows you know who in in your connections, whether it be first, uh, usually first level connections, who works there. Um, and, and then you can click on that person. And if you don't know them directly, you probably know, you know, do the whole six degrees of separation thing. You can find somebody that can introduce you to that person, and that person can then either tell you exactly who the recruiter is that's working on that, or even better, send a quick note of introduction. Um, so, you know, for example, if I if I was trying to get in touch with you, Tyler, and you know, I know Brian, I might reach out to them first and say, hey, I'm trying to get in touch with Tyler. Here's why I think I'm uh, qualified for that role and making it very easy for them. Could you just you know, put us in touch for a, a quick conversation or get my profile in front of them? And now you're doing the legwork for that person. And, and so it's a lot easier to get in. I think to send a blind uh, message direct to a recruiter, uh, have you got to know your audience a little bit and exactly how much time they're going to have to read that message, which is, you know, that elevator pitch is probably even too long. <laughs> if uh, if you're thinking about how many messages and, you know, um, different pings you have coming at you from all different directions every day, it's got to be something quick um, and maybe better off going to, again, somebody that you know within that organization or a second degree connection within that organization to, to end around. I think for me, it's just the, the follow-up right if, if you get that you're looking through resumes and and they all especially for certain roles entry-level candidates recent grads you know those resumes are really hard to to stand out but it's that person that takes right. it to find me on linkedin or yeah find a connection that i know and uh you know just just show that they're really interested and they they want this position because they've they've done that extra work um to me sets them apart from you know the resume yeah, absolutely. Especially at that entry level, um, or even a couple years of experience. It's you only have a couple years of experience. It's very hard to differentiate from true experience or specialized skills at that point. It's really all about you know behaviors and characteristics. And if you could set yourself apart there by you know showing that you know, you're dependable and and responsible and reliable by if you do get in the interview process, good communication and showing up on time and all those things, but um, even pre that step that, you know, you have a little bit of grit and you're able to to do the extra legwork and do your due diligence and uh, attention to detail of, you know, you're not sending a, a resume to the hire and it says to Leighton, manager, you know, things like that. <laughs> you know, just having those, those basic characteristics will set you apart from the folks yeah. that are just, yeah. you know, beaten down or, you know, burnt out by the job search process and are just firing resumes off you know, 15 times a day at this point. I can't thank Ray enough for his thoughts 
expertise. Yeah, I really like to ask how many marbles will fit in the Empire State Building. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You lived up to all my expectations. Ah, the hype is real. <laughs> For more information about The Hired Podcast, please visit us at www.thehire.com. And be sure to keep a lookout this fall for new episodes as they drop. Do you have questions for Tyler? Reach out to him, tyler at thehire.com. Until then, stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon. You are listening to The Hire Podcast. The Hire Podcast. The Hire Podcast.